Well, good morning and welcome to H2O. My name is Brian Wiles. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, we're so glad to have you here with us. I want to say a special welcome to those of you who are visiting or checking out H2O for one of the first times. It's great to have you here uh, as we are following up, coming right off of Easter. And uh, we're really excited today because we're, we're launching into a new kind of mini-series for the next two weeks that we're calling Scent. But one of the things that we, uh, we really value and is so extremely important to us around here at H2O is uh, not just having kind of a one-man show show or one type of pastor share consistently week after week, but we, a huge part of our DNA and a huge part of our values is that we believe in leadership development. We believe in raising up uh, new men and women to do what God is doing. That's how we plant churches, and one of the ways that we do that is we have a pastors and training program where we give uh, young men who feel like uh, God has a calling on their life to be pastors an opportunity to, to train in that and to teach and to grow. And so today I'm really excited because one of my good friends, uh, Joe Callagher, is going to be sharing with us. And I just want to give him a quick introduction because um, I feel like it's important, as many of you may be getting to know Joe, just to know that we really believe in, uh, in him as a man, and we really believe in the calling that God has on his life. And specifically, I'm excited today as he's kind of helping us go into this series that we're calling Scent, where we're going to be talking about what does it look like to be salt and light in the world that we live in. I believe that Joe really lives this out, and that's something that's so important to us here at H2O, is that we don't have people come up here and share that aren't actually living out what they're sharing about. And so as, uh, as I welcome Joe up here, I just want to ask you to give him a warm round of applause, and uh, I'm excited for what he has to share with us today. So, All right, well, good morning, H2O. It's really good to be here. Thanks for that introduction as well, Brian. Um, I just want to say also welcome Akron as they're visiting us via video. It's going to be a good morning today uh, with you. So um, first, I just want to say, like Brian said, we're in this new series called Scent. And today, I really want us to focus on the idea of how Jesus is sending us collectively as a church, but also individually as well in our daily lives and being faithful um, with Jesus' mission with that. And today specifically, um, I am going to be honest, this message has been on my heart for the last few months. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, lead a missions trip uh, to Panama City, Florida a couple months ago. Um, and for those of you who don't know, um, when BG's on their spring break, we send out uh, our students on missions trips. Um, and so this is a picture of our group right there as well. And we really had an awesome group, great opportunity. Uh, I saw a lot of growth in a lot of the students as well. And one thing that was really encouraging there was when we go down there, you know, a lot of college students, when they go down to Panama City, they go and, you know, party and and really um, spend some time with their friends as they're, you know, burning kind of the rest of the semester and, and, and it's spending time down there. And we are there really to show Jesus's love and light to them by giving free van rides and having some really good conversations as well. And when you hear that, you might think, oh man, that must have been like really challenging, really difficult. When actually it was the opposite. We had a lot of really good conversations, and everyone that we ran into was really thankful that we were there. Many of the people that we bumped into were more excited to hang out with us than do the things that they planned to do when they came down there, which was so cool. And one of the kids that um, we had a conversation with was named Caleb, and uh, we picked him up, and he is diabetic. And so if you know anything about diabetics, you really can't drink, and so he was in a really rough spot. And... um, we picked him up, and he didn't, he didn't feel judged at all by us. We just tried to help him, give him a ride home, and really show love to him. And he was so blown away by the love that we showed to him. And he was just like, why are you guys doing this for me? Why are you guys 
taking such good care of me. You're taking better care of me than my own friends who brought me down here. And, um, and it, for us, it was easy. It was, we just said, we love Jesus so much, and we've seen Jesus so sh- show so much love to us. How could we not show that to you? And, and many of the people that we bumped into, we would tell them that, you know, because we believe so deeply in what Jesus has done for us, how much would we have to hate you to not share that? Because that blessing is also offered to you as well. And then um, near the end of the week, when we were all driving back, that 17 hours back from Florida to Ohio, I turned to my fiance Sammy, and I said to her, whatever that was this last week, whatever we saw here, whatever that meant as far as mission and seeing people changed, I want to see that in BG. I want to see that same hunger. I want to see that same excitement here. And in this last few months, I've been really meditating on that and thinking about that. And as I began even preparing this message, too, I began realizing, as God's been showing me, that Jesus is moving here. That God really has been moving and is moving in Bowling Green just as much as he is anywhere else throughout the world. And that's really cool. And I've been um, reading this book, actually, with a couple guys on staff called Leadership Mosaic. Um, It's a really cool book. I would encourage you to check it out. And one of the things that the authors talk about in this book is how God is on mission. And sometimes we think that the burden of, like, sharing the gospel with people or telling about Jesus' story is totally 100% on us. Um, I have a friend from college. He was sharing with me recently how he would go into his classes, whether it was a lecture hall of 200 people or a small group of 20, and he would feel a burden throughout the rest of the semester that he wasn't sharing his faith with the people in the classroom. And part of that is true. Part of that, we, we need to feel that burden to share our faith with people. But a part of that, too, is kind of unhealthy because ultimately, we don't save people. Jesus saves people. And ultimately, the burden to save people is on him because he already accomplished that on the cross. And, and so what was cool about this book, it talks about how God is already on mission, already saving people. And he encourages us to join him in that mission. Which is, which is really radical to think about how the weight isn't on us. Ultimately, we trust in what Jesus are, has already done and accomplished in preaching the gospel and helping people know him. And, so, and if you don't know the gospel, the, the, the gospel is the story of how God created us and made us perfect in him. But then because man turned their backs from God, then sin and brokenness entered into the world. But God did something about it. You know, other faiths, other beliefs, or even there's some deistic beliefs that believe that God just created everything and then stepped away. Well, the Christian God entered into the brokenness and made something happen. He sent his own son into the world to redeem it and to restore it. And so we, as believers, have a hope that Jesus will make all things new and that we're trusting in that future when he'll wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. And that's the story that we tell as believers. And so that can be abroad, because a lot of times when we think of mission, we can think, oh, that's like a far-off thing, that's like an overseas missionary type thing, when the reality of the Bible is this, that yes, that's true, you know, for some of you, God is calling you to go somewhere, but for most of us here, the next few years, it's about being missionaries in your everyday life, that's in your family, that's in your classes, that's with your kids, that's, you know, with your kids' soccer team, whatever that is, in your city, in your neighborhood, it's about being missionaries here, and and, and I think that's, that's really cool because when we share Jesus, we're sharing his story and we're sharing our lives as well. We're sharing our stories and we're sharing our lives. And that's really powerful. But 
when you look at our world, there's a problem right now. Because um, I think when you look at, um, especially in America and in our world, Christians are kind of getting a bad rap right now. And when you, when you read stories or if you talk to people who aren't followers of Jesus, um, two words kind of come to mind when they hear the word Christian. Um, they either think judgmental in the sense of, you know, on their high horse looking down on others for the mistakes they're making, or they think hypocrite. And basically saying that, you know, Christians are no different than me. They're, they gossip just as much as me. They drink just as much as me. They're no different in the way they're living compared to how I'm living. And if you're someone in here who doesn't identify as a Christian, you're visiting us today, um, I just want to say, one, welcome, and then two, if you've been burned by Christians because of this, I want to say sorry. Because when you look at Jesus and his life, that's not what he's proclaiming. Now, granted, we shouldn't be concerned that people hate us because ultimately, you know, Jesus talks about how the world will hate Christians because they hated him. That, that is true. That's going to happen regardless. But we have to ask ourselves, are people against Christians or hating Christians for the right reasons? Are they hating them for the right reasons? And, and when you look at it, the re- reality is the problem isn't with Jesus' words or the Bible. The problem's with people who identify as Christians and have drifted from what Scripture actually teaches. Because we believe here at H2O the Bible is powerful it can transform you. If we live by it and we follow um, what the Holy Spirit and what God's teaching us, it can change us and transform us into new people. And so today, what we want to do and what kind of Brian introduced was the idea of understanding that we are sent, and we are sent to be a people who look and reflect Jesus Christ. And I want to look today, and I want to kind of direct our attention towards what Jesus talks about Um, in Matthew chapter 5, if you want to turn there, about being the salt of the earth and the light of the world. And this passage really has been a passage that's impacted me over the years and an understanding of how we as Christians can be different and can be active in our world and in our community as well. And so, um, it's going to be Matthew chapter 5, if you guys want to turn there. The big idea for today, if you want to write this down, is this. The thing I want you to walk away with is this. As followers of Christ, we are sent to be salt and light of the world around us. So Christ has sent us to be the salt and the light of the world around us. And so there's many like practical ways we can do that, but I want to look at three practical ways we can be the salt and the light of the world around us. Number one, through our activity. Number two, through our purity. And number three, through our message. So first, through our activity, second, through our purity, and then third, through our message. So number one, through our activity, Jesus is sending us to be active in our world. Jesus is sending us to be active in our world. And so like I said, if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 5. I'm going to start in verse 13, and we'll go from there. So Matthew chapter 5, verse 13 Jesus says this. This is his Sermon on the Mount. This is uh, one of the greatest sermons in in all the Bible and one of Jesus' most popular messages. And starting in verse 13, he says this to his disciples. You are the salt of the earth. Okay, we're just going to kind of pause there. So first thing Jesus says to his followers is, you are the salt of the earth. Now, 
why the heck would he say you're salt? I don't know. That doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Now, now let me ask you guys this, okay? And I need some attention here. Uh, when you hear the word salt, what do you guys think of? Tell me. What do you guys think of? Food? Food? Okay. Taste? Yeah. Okay. Yes. Salt. Food. <laughs> Good. Salt makes food taste better, right? Good. Okay. Now, I want you guys to close your eyes real quick. Close your eyes, okay? Think of yourself in Wendy's eating some amazing Wendy's fries. Mm, really good. Now, imagine you're eating those fries without salt. Ugh, right? Without that sea salt, it just makes things taste terrible, right? So, uh, so come, come back, you can open your eyes now. But uh, Jesus is basically saying here that we as Christians, just like salt makes food taste better, we as Christians need to make the world taste better. You know? Not the candy, man. Christians make the world taste good. Hopefully you got the whatever. Anyways, that was corny. I'm sorry. I'm going to go. Okay, anyways. Um, we are called to make the world taste better. And again, just like salt is active in making food taste better, we need to be active in making the world taste better. We need to be active in our communities, you know, in our families, dorm rooms, classrooms, wherever God has called you, we need to be active in those environments. Now, having said that, we need to also ask ourselves a pretty good question, and this is this. When you look at your life and your circle of friends and your community, if somehow you were taken out of that environment, would that environment be any better, any worse, or neutral? So would your, if, you know, if we took you out of your class, we took you out of your friend group, would that environment be any better, any worse, or really not change at all? Now, if, if, we're making it, if we're not making our community better, that's not following what Jesus is calling us to do. Jesus is calling us to actually be active in our communities and make it better. Now, what's hard for me, and this is what I've fallen into in the past, is busyness. Now, I, 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 for me... I get so busy, I'm a very task-oriented person, and when that happens, I just want to, you know, put my head in the sand and get my work done and just focus on that. And it's really hard for me to then look around at the people around me who really need a friend or really need someone around you. And I've seen it, too, in other people's lives where either people get married, they have kids, you know, kids are in soccer practice, and, you know, senior year, whatever it is, and you get bogged down with all the busyness of life. And because of that, that distracts us from being active in our world. And specifically, from a student's perspective, from the student side, I've seen it where, you know, student leaders will come up and become seniors, and when they become seniors, they, like, check out, and they start thinking about the next season of their life, or they start thinking about all the work they have to do and totally forget about the people in front of them that God has given them to care for. And so, and, and obviously, like, busyness and the things we have to do aren't bad. I understand, like, th- there's going to be seasons in your life where you just have to, you know, put your nose to the grindstone and focus on the things you have to do. However, overall, that cannot distract us from being active in our world and in our communities. If you look at our world today, it needs hope. It needs Christians more than ever stepping into society and being a light and being an example and, and I think what's cool is God has given us as friends, 
and in a community to work together to do this. Um, and so, it, you, as you guys know, I'm getting married in July, which I'm super excited about. Thank you. Um, and um, my fiance, Sammy, um, we, one thing we love to do is we love to travel. We love to go visit places. And this sum, last summer, we went to visit Chicago, um, beautiful city. If you've been there, it's really nice. Um, and one thing that we saw there that really broke our hearts was this. Uh, if you ever walk around Chicago, you see people who um, are standing around and they're asking for change in money. Um, and many people call these people panhandlers because um, they, they really need money and they need help. And so they're standing on the street asking people for it. And so um, we saw it there, and we talked about it, and then we came. We were driving around Toledo, and we would see people on the side of the road holding up signs and things like that. And we just began talking about, man, what can we do? Like, what can we do in our marriage to be faithful and to be active in this situation? And so one of the things that, uh, uh, you know, agencies say and that work with people who are in that place, they say, don't, you know, just give someone money. I mean, if that's the last thing, that's the only thing you can do, then good. Um, but actually, what people need is food, resources, and even help along the way, too. And so we were praying, and we felt like God was telling us just to put some, you know, basic hygienics and basic food in our cars. And so we, put, we went to the store one day, we got some gift cards and things like that, and just put it in our cars. And we just said, hey, God, you know, put us in situations where we can give this to someone who might need it. And so a month after that, I, we got a knock on the H2O office, and this guy came in, and he looked like he really was in need of some help. And so I was talking to him, and I was encouraging him, praying for him. I gave him a ride home, and I said, hey, do you need some, you know, some things? And he's like, sure, yeah, I, I definitely do. Actually, I do. And I was able to give him some of the stuff that we had purchased and bought, which was really cool, and I got to pray with him and really be active in helping this person. And so for that's, that's our story, and that's what we have done to feel like we need to be active in our community. What about you? And, I, and I'm going to say this because I think you have to ask yourselves, what are the passions God has given you? What are the things God has put on your heart? And, and when you look, you know, around your world, what are the things that you feel like, man, I want to do something about that? And that's not there by accident. God has put that in your heart so you can be a difference and you can be active. And so maybe for you, it's, you know, you see a kid who's on your kid's soccer team and you want to, you know, help them out and encourage them. Maybe there's a single mom in your community and maybe you want to give her a night to herself and take care of her kids. Maybe it's, you know, that kid in your class who's struggling and you want to help them along the way. Maybe it's just a professor or even a resident advisor if you're in the dorms and maybe they just need love and encouragement. The activity we do will make a difference. You know, just like salt, you know, makes things taste better, it also helps with making people thirsty. You know, uh, my dad was telling me recently how when people have horses, um, you know, there's that phrase that you can take a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. Well, what someone who has a horse will do is they'll stick salt cubes in their mouth to make them thirsty so that the horse will then drink. And so in the same way, our lives, if we're active in our world, people are going to be thirsty for Jesus. And it's really, it's, it's going to help people come to know him as we're being involved in our community and in our world. And so that's first of all, so that we need to be active in our world. That's the first thing. The second point I really want to touch on today is our purity. And so Jesus sends us to purify the world around us. And so sticking with the theme of salt, um, another thing about salt, not only does it make things taste better, it's actually a preservative too. 
And so um, you guys may not know this because you're all millennials and, you know, younger, you know, but there used to not be refrigerators in our world. About 100 years ago was when the first refrigerators started coming around, um, which is crazy to think about. Um, but before refrigerators, you're asking, okay, what do, we, you know, what do they do to preserve food? They actually use salt to preserve food. Um, and so fishermen, they would go fishing, and they would, you know, take in a bunch of fish, and they would put a bunch of salt on it to keep it from going bad. And so what, what salt actually does, it, it um, absorbs moisture and keeps food fresh. And so what Jesus is saying here is basically that Christians are the preservative of our world. If you took believers out of our world, out of our city, the world would go rotten. And, um, and this, I know this firsthand, you know, I mean, I'm sure you can relate to this when you've seen food go bad. One thing I do, I have a bad habit where um, if I take food home and I put it in a container, um, if I keep it in there too long and I forget about it, it'll, the food will start to go really bad. And I know it's going bad. And then I kind of avoid actually cleaning it. <laughs> I don't know, does anyone else do that, too? <laughs> and it's, it's not because I don't want, I mean, my roommate Kent's here, so he appreciates this, I'm sure. But, uh, but it's not that I don't want to take care of it. I just know that it's going to stink. It's going to be bad, you know? But the, on the other hand, the more you wait, the worse the mess is going to be to actually clean it up. It gets bad. And so Christians, you know, just like, you know, food can go bad the world would go really bad if it wasn't for believers getting involved and being active and purifying our world. And so a big part of this really comes down to influence. Are we seeking to become better people each and every day and growing more and more like God? And a big question, too, with this is, um, are we influencing our friends or are our friends influencing us? Are we influencing our community, our friends, to grow in godliness? Or are people influencing us to go not towards God? Because if, if that's true, and if we're followers of Jesus, there's something wrong with that. And I don't, it's not me that has a problem with it. Jesus is saying here, too, if you look at verse 13, he says, But if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out, trampled under feet. So if salt loses its saltiness, if it stopped purifying food, then it would be useless. And so in the same way, if we as Christians lose our purity, lose our goodness, and stop influencing our world towards good, Jesus is saying, man, this, people are going to walk all over you. And, you know, again, I've heard it said that, you know, there are five Gospels. There's Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and me. And people read the fifth one more than they do the other four. And, and I think that's so true. If, if, if we're living in purity and we're seeking holiness, people will follow you. People will be directed towards that. If we're just following other people and living in sin, even though we know it's wrong and not doing anything about it, then it's like if salt loses its saltiness. Now, obviously, there's grace, and God, God is moving and cares for us. And if, you know, if, if you're still struggling through things and you're you know, seeking help and direction and accountability, that's good. You know, continue to do that. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Jesus has paid for your sins. But if we're living in sin and we're not doing anything about it, that will hurt our witness. Just like I said at the beginning, people will look at that and say, man, 
they're no different than me. Why do I need to change? And that's a problem. And I, and I say all this because ultimately this was my story. Um, I came to college and um, I got involved in the party scene. I was involved, you know, I was, I was seeking to make friends, seeking to be involved with, you know, people on my dorm room floor. And that was my story. And I, I met uh, Rob Warren, who was a pastor here. Um, we recently sent him out on a church plant. Um, and we started hanging out. And I said to him one day, we were in Grounds for Thought, I said, it's interesting, Rob, how we as human beings can act differently around certain groups of people, depending on the situation, and put on these masks. And he said, in a, in a loving way, he was like, well, hey, man, um, I, I kind of want to push into that, because really, what I've learned from the Bible is, if we're followers of Jesus, we need to be the same around everybody, where our life will reflect Jesus in every area of our life. And I was like, Wow. <laughs> that's, that's so true. And I realized I was being a hypocrite. I really wasn't living like Christ in every area of my life. I was choosing certain places. So I was one person at church and one person around my friends. And what's, what's, what's honest to goodness is true is that God sees that. God sees and knows who we really are. And ultimately what we need to do is, and what I did was I asked God for forgiveness, and I asked him to help me along the way. And it was a process, and I was still um, growing, and I still, to this day, it's a process, and God's growing me and challenging me to grow. But, I, but it was that first step of acknowledging that I need to be a better representative of Christ than I've been. And it's cool, because God's been, been helping me grow in that. And I think, too, uh, and to encourage you, if you currently don't identify as Christ, a Christian, what's cool about grace is God is with you. God loves you, and he's going to help you along the way. You don't have to clean yourself up first before you can become a Christian or become, you know, all these different things. Um, Jesus cares so much about you that he's going to take you in your brokenness and use you in an amazing way. And so in the same way, if you are a Christian, you're struggling with those things, you have a community around you that loves you, that struggles with the same exact things and wants to help you. And so we have community, and we're not alone. And so our goal as Christians is to be pure and to care and to show our world what it means to really be followers of Jesus. And so that's point number two. So we're called to purify. Point number three is we're called to share Jesus' message. We're called to share his message. We're called to share his message. And so if you look at uh, verse 14, Jesus says this, You are the light of the world. A city on a hill cannot be hidden. So Jesus started this passage by saying, you guys are the salt of the earth. Now he's shifted to saying, you are the light of the world. And so, just like we talked about the purity, uh, you know, what makes salt salt, what makes light light is it shines, right? Look at the lights that are shining on me. I can't even see you people because the light's so bright, you know. <laughs> light shines. And so, in the same way that light shines in darkness, we need, as believers need to shine in our dark world. And I kind of imagine that, you know, Christians, you know, the world is like a dark cave, and Christians are the ones holding torches and leading people out of the dark cave and, and engaging with people and loving people along the way. And also, too, people should just be able to look at your life and say, wow, something is different about them. Something is shining off of them, and God is using them. That's, that's, 
God has given us this light, and we need to shine it. Actually, too, to go back to where Jesus says, um, a city on a hill cannot be hidden. Um, the Puritans, a little history, um, the Puritans, when they came over from England to the United States, as they were on the boat getting over here, they looked at this passage and talked together about this passage, and they said, our community, whatever we end up in in the new world, we want to be the city on a hill. We want to be this shining city on a hill that other people will look at our love for one another and be encouraged and changed by the way we live. And this was before they even landed here. And, and, I, and I think that's like a great example that we need to seek to be that as well, that we're a shining city on a hill because of how bright we are. Now, what happens if we don't shine our light? Now, Jesus says in verse 15, he says this, Nor do people light their lamp and put it under a basket, but leave it on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. So Jesus is saying, like, hey, you know, if you have light and it's a dark house, you're not just going to put it under a basket. Number one, it might catch fire because it was, you know, a flame during this time, which is stupid because your house will burn down. But anyways, um, you're not going to just put your light under a basket and, you know, trip over yourself and all that. You're going to leave it to shine. And, and you're going to let it shine throughout the whole house. And so we as Christians can't hide our light. We have to let it shine. Now, some of the, honestly, some of the reasons we may not share our light is the main reason is fear. The world is scary. The world is broken. And, you know, some of the people that we may interact with are really hard to love and to show our light. And sometimes it's easier when we're annoyed just to kind of curl up and say, I'm going to just do my own thing. The rest of the world can do its, its own thing, and I'm just going to focus on me. When that's not what Jesus is saying here, he's saying, you are the light of the world. And so if the rest of the world is dark, it needs the light of Jesus. And something that's helped me really understand this and focus on this is that the light doesn't come from within me. The light of Jesus doesn't come from within me. In fact, we reflect his light. Just like if you guys have ever played with just like mirrors growing up and you would shine the mirror at the sun and then the ground and you'd burn ants. Has anyone else done that? I'm the only one? Okay, good, good. So I'm not the only one, sorry. Many ants have been destroyed in my backyard. I apologize if you are a lover of ants. Um, but you, we are to reflect Jesus' light to the world. Jesus has given us his light and we are to shine it to dark places. And, and along with this, too, my, my parents used to say to me that, because um, my last name's Calgary, and, he, and they would say whenever they dropped us off at school or anything else, they would say, you know, Joe, you represent us. When they hear the name Calgary, they, they hear our family. And so you guys represent us. And so for us as Christians, we represent Christ. And as we shine our light, we should show that as well. And so ultimately, this is having faith, too. And trusting that Jesus will give you the words to say what you need to say in the right situations, whether it's to your family, to your coworkers, to your community, to your classmates. I've seen so often where I'm in a conversation with somebody, and then all of a sudden I just feel in my spirit, I need to say this to this person. And it ends up being the right thing. And where did that come from? Not from within me. I am reflecting what's been given to me and sharing that to these people. And that's really special. And if you look at verse 16, Jesus says this, In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. When we reflect Jesus' light, people will give God praise. 
And I've seen this in my own life. Again, just to share another story, I've shared this story, I think, a few times, but um, I used to be in the Air Force. Um, I got out a few years back, and one of my jobs in the Air Force, I did plans and scheduling, excuse me, and I did not like this job. It was a really horrible job. It was frustrating, not because of the work itself. The work itself really wasn't that hard. What was hard about the job was the people that I was working with were really hard to work with. They were constantly bickering with one another. It was just like a hostile environment. I just did not have any fun. Um, And so what I did intentionally was I would just show up to work, keep my head down, and just kind of just do my own thing and just kind of stay out of everyone's business and not get involved in their lives. And eventually I started um, in my prayers and in my time with God, I felt like God was telling me that I was not being the man of Jesus that I needed to be in that environment. I was kind of hiding my light rather than shining it because I was so annoyed with the people that I was working with. And, and, I, and I repented of that, and I asked God for forgiveness, and I asked him for help. And so what I felt like God told me to do was, he was like, Joe, you need to do what's expected of you. And so, so I was like, okay, I'll do that. And so I started going to work, and I started to do everything that was expected of me above and beyond even what was expected of me. So I started taking the trash out. I started, you know, when I was done with work, I'd go to my supervisor and say, hey, is there anything more I can do? And, and I started really serving my work environment. And all of a sudden, what began to happen was the complexion of the environment changed towards me, and they really, really began to appreciate what I was doing for them. And what was even really cool, too, is I got, God put me in a place where I got to share his love with people and tell his story to people. Um, And I didn't have that opportunity before because my heart was so hard, but God changed my heart and I was able to be a light. And so in the same way for you, God can change your heart. What's the environment that you're in right now that maybe you're putting your light on our basket? And God is calling you to light and shine in that environment to ultimately draw people towards him. And if we change our hearts and we change our lives, God can use that and give you influence in that place. And so to bring it, bring it all together right now. So um, Jesus, guys, is sending us to be a part of his mission. Jesus is already on mission. Jesus is already working in BG. He's working in your classrooms. He's working in your neighborhood. He's already doing that. Okay? That's not going to change anything. The other night I just had a... Um, the random conversation. Um, I had a um, phone call. Someone called me late at night, and I didn't answer because I was sleeping at three p. at three a.m. I'm sleeping, so if you call me, then I'm not going to answer. But uh, but he called me, and um, I got his message, and I listened to it the next day. And he was just kind of in a rough spot. He wanted someone to talk to, and so I texted him back, and I said, "Hey, man, are you okay? Is everything good?" And he was like, "Yeah, I was just kind of in a rough spot, but I ended up." He was like, "I ended up running into." another person who goes to H2O, and they were actually able to help me. And I was just, like, so blown away in that moment, because sometimes, you know, I can put the pressure on myself to feel like, oh, I need to be Superman to everybody. And the reality is, God was moving in this kid's life, anyone who, you know, and he could have used anyone to be in that spot. And it was so cool that he was able to bring someone else along the way when I wasn't available to be there for him. And so in the same way, God cares so much about the environment he's placed you all in. And he wants to use you in mighty ways. And, and ultimately, we can trust him because Jesus already did this. Jesus was active when the world was in sin, and he did something about it. His heart broke, and he entered into our world. Jesus, when he saw the world was impure, he became pure 
for us and so that we could be made pure in him. And then Jesus shines his light better than any of us, and we are able to reflect his light to a broken world. And so, cause, guys, because Jesus already does this, we can trust it. And so if some of us haven't been active, or maybe there's some, been some passions on our hearts, maybe we need to share that with someone else, because maybe they have that passion as well. And you know what? Both of you can start having an impact on your world cause, and allow you to be active. Um, two, Maybe some of us in this room have been impure, and maybe we've been a little hypocritical and haven't been living out the way we know we're supposed to be living. And this is a great time to ask God for forgiveness and change. And if you're not a believer, again, don't think you have to come and clean yourself up. Jesus will take you as you are. Come just as you are. He says, you know, come to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you rest. And some of us, too, maybe we've just been hiding our light. We've been growing in godliness, but maybe in certain environments we haven't been shining our light. Don't hide it anymore. You're going to burn your house down if you hide your light under a basket. It's not good. So shine your light to the world around you. And so what I want us to do during this time and as the band comes up, I want us to reflect on this. Because I think so often we can hear messages and we can kind of just move on. But I want you to really sit in this. What's God calling you to do? What's the community? What's the passions he's put on your heart? And I want you to reflect on that and pray through that. And so I'm going to pray, and then we'll have a little bit of time for you to reflect and really um, hear from God and then even respond to him as well.